Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is episode 31 of The Milkman of St. Gaff's, an absurdist podcast. I'm really happy to announce that we won two Audioverse awards for Best Existing Production and Best Existing Storyteller, so thank you very much for voting. And thank you also to Julie for buying me some coffees on coffee.com. We also have some new patrons, Stevie Connolly, Milkman, White Badge, Cameron Kaiser, Fly Sprayer, and Taylor Michaels, Fly Sprayer. Thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot to me. And there's really nothing more exciting than seeing someone signed up to support the podcast. It's a lot of work to put it all together, but your support makes it worth it. And now let's get to the episode. This one's called The Same River. 
It's time for The Milkman of St. Gaffs, starring Howie the Milkman. Your money's no good here. Oh, okay. I put my money back in my pocket and turned and went back to where Stormy was waiting for me with her trunk in my bag. He said my money's no good here. I guess I must be getting pretty well known here too. But he didn't give you the newspaper. No. So doesn't that mean that he doesn't want your business? Maybe. Then she pointed to a coffee shop on the corner. Let's get some breakfast, I'm starving. We dragged our stuff over to the shop. It was just a dingy little spot, but probably Stormy would be impressed since she'd never been to a big city restaurant before. Just as we were about to drag the trunk in, a waitress appeared at the door. You can't bring that in here. Can we just leave it here while we eat? I asked. No, Stormy said, someone will steal it. The trunk? Okay, fine. Can we get something to go? How much is an egg sandwich? I can get you a sandwich to go, two Hudsons each. You want coffee? As she was standing in the doorway telling us about the sandwiches, I saw, peeking out from inside, a dark brown rabbit, except with one huge bulging eye. It was twitching and looking right at me. I wasn't even following what the woman was saying. So, you want coffee too? Wait, two Hudsons? You just got off the ferry? They changed the money. We can't take Rupert's anymore. Just Hudsons. The rabbit hopped around her feet, up the road a ways, then looked back at me for a second and hopped off. So what are we supposed to do? Gotta go to a bank, see if they'll change your Rupert's over. We had to drag our stuff the few blocks from the harbor to where all the bank towers were downtown. The trunk was really a pain, and it was a strange morning. The sun had come up, but the sky was still pretty dark. It was as if there was some kind of greasy black soot in the air. I'd never seen that before. The bank towers loomed up ahead of us, shrouded in the ashen fog. And to tell you the truth, they didn't even look like they used to somehow. We passed another paper boy with that grainy picture of my mother on the front. Howie, what's that story all about? I'm sure it's nothing. You know how reporters make things up. They probably just talked to my mom and blew things way out of proportion. She's getting old by now. So what did happen to your dad? He died. It was awful and sad, but I had nothing to do with it. She just kept looking at the ground thoughtfully as we dragged our stuff. She was probably thinking about how her own dad was dead and about how now we had that in common. I didn't say anything. Mom will make us a nice breakfast with tea and everything, you'll see. Sure. Stormy was still looking so distant. 
I guess this was all a big change for her. But this was my hometown. I couldn't wait to show her all around and introduce her to everyone. She was going to be so impressed. It occurred to me, we could take a taxi to my mom's place instead of dragging our luggage all the way. Men in suits were walking all around in a big hurry, weaving around the homeless people huddled on subway grates. There were all kinds of smells. Breakfast cooking, stinky unwashed bodies, steam coming up from underground vents. It seemed busier and dirtier than I'd remembered. I thought I saw again that rabbit watching me from under some old newspapers on the sidewalk, but then he was gone. Finally, we got to the front of one of the big bank buildings. You stay here with the stuff. I'll go change the money. Stormy seemed really uneasy about the whole thing. Don't worry, no one's going to bother you. I'll just be a minute. Her money was all in a bank in St. Gaff's, and she had to fill out some kind of paperwork to get it. But the bank was giving her a hard time because there was no official death certificate for her father. He was just a missing person. And of course, the police weren't admitting to shooting him. But anyways, I went in. You're very lucky, young man. Today's the last day we're doing exchanges. Okay, 500 Ruperts, that's 50 Hudsons. That seemed a bit unfair to me, but I didn't want to seem like an idiot, so I didn't say anything. I told Stormy it was all sorted and that we should find a cab. So we dragged our stuff along the sidewalk, but there weren't any cabs around. We passed a giant machine under a glass dome. It had all sorts of moving parts and it was spitting out a long paper tape with letters and numbers on it. A bunch of men in suits were standing there staring at the thing, some writing numbers down. Every once in a while, one would run away like his pants were on fire. I'd been downtown before, but it all seemed different, weirdly gray. I didn't recognize the buildings. They all seemed to loom over us like angry teachers who caught us being bad. And the greasy smoke seemed thicker now that we were inland from the sea. Where once I'd walked these streets full of curiosity like an explorer, now every step I took on my own seemed full of menace and threats. I thought I heard giant mechanical clocks ticking everywhere. Isn't that a taxi? Stormy said. No, they're yellow. But it says taxi. Oh, maybe. We dragged the trunk over to a big black car that did in fact say taxi on the top. I guess they'd changed the colors of the calves while I'd been gone. Luckily it had a big enough boot that we were able to get the trunk in, with some rope holding it in place. 150 Talbot Street, cabby. He didn't say anything, but we drove off. Stormy and I were in the back. It was a powerful car. When he roared off, it felt good being pushed back into the seat. I reached over and took Stormy's hand. She looked out the window, and I could tell she was really loving soaking up the new place she'd always wanted to go. The only way to travel, I said, trying to sound excited. I looked out my side. We were coming up to the bridge, and I rolled down the window to feel the breeze. I took a deep breath. There was some strange stink in the air, but the wind felt nice anyways. I looked out over the river Kirsten. For the first time from a car window, 
but in the weird, dark light, the river looked black. Just the angle of the sun, I'm sure, I thought. I could have stayed in that cab all day just watching the world go by out the window. It looked at times like it might rain, but it never did. And then, much too soon, we pulled off the main road and made our way along the familiar old row houses. And then we were there. We got out and the driver undid the rope and helped me get the trunk out. 28. What? 28 Hudsons. I fumbled with the new money. I only had 50 to begin with and that was all my savings. It made me break out in a cold sweat to suddenly be so broke. But we were home now, and I was going to start getting paid more pretty soon. Stormy looked worried, like she didn't quite believe that I knew what I was doing. We'll be fine, Stormy, as soon as we get settled. But there we were, in the road. It almost seemed more like an alley to me after the wide-open spaces of St. Gaff's. It was narrow, just the road, which was hardly big enough for the cab to drive down, and two asphalt sidewalks. No lawns, the doors opened right onto the sidewalks. But this was home. I thought I'd feel all sorts of nostalgic feelings, but I didn't. Stormy didn't look too impressed either. She looked sort of the way Ryan looked when Mr. Corwin told him he'd be spraying for flies for the foreseeable future. But I tried to sound chipper anyways. Finally here! Mom's going to be so surprised! So we got the luggage over to the front door, and I knocked. Come in, it's not locked. I opened the door. I'd forgotten the smell. The ever-present cloud of stale smoke that wafted into your face. That smell brought back all the times I'd opened that door after school, coming home from awful sandwiches and no one caring what happened to me. And then I was home where I told myself things were different. It was a smell of loneliness and company, a cocoon of something that seemed like safety and shelter, but deep down, somewhere, I knew I was just on my own. But that was all a long time ago now, and I was sure things had changed. I walked into the gloom. It was dark. Mom was sitting just where she was the last time I'd seen her, at the little white card table beside the window, the ashtray overflowing, her with cigarette in hand. As a kid, I'd always wondered what it was she thought she was looking at out the window. It just looked out into a little concrete backyard and the fence to the neighbor's place. I expected her to jump up or drop her cigarette or shriek or anything except what she did do. She just turned and like I'd just been out later than usual one night, exclaimed, Howie, you're back. Who's that with you? She didn't even get up. I guess she was getting tired in her old age. This is Stormy. She's my fiancé. What? I'm not... We're not... Fiancé. That's wonderful to hear, Howie. Nice to meet you. I read about you in the papers. You've been doing well. Sure I have. Sure I have. So you probably heard that I'm a milkman now. Well, I did such a good job, they sent me here for a job at the Department of Lactic Affairs. Good for you, Howie. I saw a funny thing in the paper too, Mom, today. Did you get interviewed by some journalists? She thought about this a moment. Yes, the newspaper men came around. Did you... what what did you tell them about me and Dad? 
Oh, I can't remember now. Okay, well, listen, Stormy's pretty tired out from the trip. We're going to stay for a while until we can find our own place. We can just stay in my room. Come on, Stormy, let me show you. I started up the stairs, but now my mom jumped up. Oh, I, I didn't think. I'm afraid that's not... Stormy was with me, and we got to the top. You can't stay here, Howie. I've got a border now. I'd gotten to my room and opened the door at this point. I looked back at her, and it felt weird to be so close to my mother's face just then. I noticed she had long, deep lines now on the sides of her mouth. I looked in my room, and it looked just like when I'd left. It looked like a kid's room, really. Yes, I had to take Joe as a boarder after you left, but my room looks just the same. Joe came with no furnishings, and he was happy enough with yours. But you can ask him to leave now. I can't do that. Where would he go? I felt a little ill at all of this. I looked at my mother, into her eyes, but those blue-gray eyes I'd looked into since I was a baby, they didn't look the same. There was something piercing and vacant, and it didn't feel like I'd come home at all. Howie, let's just go. We'll find somewhere else, Stormy said. I guess she didn't really like the way things were shaping up here. But how are we going to find a place with no money? It's probably best if you did go, son. Joe will be back soon. He just went out to get some onions. Then she looked us both over again. Oh, I just remembered. On second thought, why don't you hold on a moment and I'll make you some tea. It's all just a bit unexpected, you know. Just hold on a second. Then she picked up the phone, which was definitely a new fixture in the house. East Mings by Police, 36 Division. Oh, hello. I just wanted to say that the celery is fresh. You mean, is this... That's right. The celery is fresh. And then she hung up. Just a neighbor. Stormy whispered in my ear. That was the police. Let's get out of here. Mom, did you just call the police? No, dear. Just have a seat and I'll put the water on. Stormy tugged at my arm. It's okay, Mom. I have to report to the department today. They hate it when we're late. You visit any time, though, and so nice to meet you, dear. And just like that, there we were, out on the street. Your mom is really weird, Howie. She's just getting old and confused, I think. Well, we'd better get out of here. What are we going to do with this stupid trunk? She was right. If my mom had accidentally called the cops, they'd be here soon and we couldn't drag this thing all over town. I saw Mrs. Albermarle a few doors down watering the flowers in her window box. Hello, Mrs. Albermarle. How are you? Howie, I haven't seen you for a dog's age. And is this your cousin Caroline? No, Mrs., this is my fiancé, Stormy. Are you sure? She's the spitting image of Caroline. Really, it's not her, Mrs., but could you do us a bit of a favor? I'm locked out of the house just now, and we need to leave this trunk somewhere for a bit. Is that so? Yes, it is. Could we leave it at your place just for a few hours, maybe overnight? We wouldn't want to leave it in the road, you know. No, no, not the way things are going around here. Why, sure, come on in and drop off your trunk. We pushed the thing inside and then into her living room so it wouldn't block the hallway. Just as we came out, two bobbies came around the corner. We both saw them, turned the other way, and tried to walk off as inconspicuously as possible. 
I supposed they were looking for just me rather than a couple because they didn't go after us. Just as we turned the other corner, I heard them knocking on my mom's door. Let's just get down to the department. So we started our slow walk downtown. It was probably getting to be about noon, but I figured I still had until the end of the day to report to the department, and I couldn't wait to show Stormy all around the places of my youth. So I took a roundabout way, since she wouldn't know the difference anyways. We swung by my old school, and I told her all about the time the soldiers were everywhere when the war was really bad. And that's where the lunch lady yelled at me for spinning on someone, which I didn't do, but I still had to spend a week in the principal's office for detention. It was really awful. Howie, I'm starving. Can we go somewhere and get something to eat? There's nowhere to eat around here. And there were the gas works. The sour smell brought me the first feelings of nostalgia I'd been hoping for. But a couple blocks later, the feelings were gone, replaced by the gloom of the sooty air. When we started getting close to downtown, we spent almost the last of my money on two sausages and buns. Stormy had never had street meat like this, and I showed her how to put mustard all over it. Before long, we were back among all the big buildings. The plan had been for Stormy to lie down and get some rest at my mom's place while I came down to report for duty. She was pretty tired out, poor thing. I was tired too after hardly sleeping last night, but I was used to it anyways. But then something awful occurred to me. I had no idea where the department was. I had just assumed it was around here somewhere. What do you mean you don't know where it is? I wasn't a milkman before I left. Why would I have cared where the Department of Lactic Affairs was? I'm sure someone will know. Know what? Someone hissed. We looked around but didn't see anyone. Down here. I looked down and there was a window to what I guess was a basement. Half above ground and half in a little dugout space. There were bars over the window, red from rust or old paint. There was a smiling face down there, big eyes and a black beard with white smiling teeth. There were a bunch of cigarette butts all around the window. I guess he came to the window to smoke when he was taking a break. What you looking for? The Department of Lactic Affairs. What? Lean down so as I can hear you. Howie, don't. It's fine. And I leaned down. The Department of Lactic Affairs. He started laughing like some sort of idiot. (laughs) The Department of Lactic Affairs? It's only just right behind you. I stood up and turned around. And sure enough, we just hadn't noticed it. It was a towering building. Maybe 12 or 14 stories made of gleaming white stone. Maybe marble. It looked even whiter since the sky was all dark in the bad air. I was awed. It was like a bottle of milk standing defiantly in the face of an inky black sky. You're going to work in there? Stormy was completely impressed and I flushed with pride. Yes, I am, Stormy. Psst. Hey, Howie, how's about a tip for helping a guy out? We just walked off towards the building, drawn to it like kids are drawn to big balls of cotton candy. Inside the lobby, everything was even more gleaming white than outside. Even the floor was white marble. There were milkmen guards with epaulets and gold tassels standing at the front doors, and there was a milkman sitting at a big white desk. 
There was no one else there, and he shouted over to us, How can I help you folks? I'm a milkman, Howie Coxwell. Milkman, red badge, first class. I'm reporting for duty, sir. He frowned and looked through some papers on his desk. Mr. Coxwell, now I recognize you from the papers. Good to meet you. He walked out from behind the desk and shook my hand. You saw today's paper? Oh, sure, but not to worry. You are a milkman, after all. I'm his fiance, Stormy. Nice to meet you. You're a lucky man, Howie. Very nice to meet you, miss. Can we go see Howie's office? A frown appeared on the man's face. Office? I was just about to ask, what are you doing here, Howie? I was told to report to the Department of Lactic Affairs today. No, you were supposed to report to the Department of Lactic Affairs Experimental Labs today. You mean that's not here? Oh, no, 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 it's quite a ways away. Where is it? Am I too late? It's pretty far. You just follow the river west and you can't miss it. I'm not sure when they close over there. Come on, Stormy. And I pulled her with me as I ran out the door. Wait, we'll pay for a cab. So we started off. I knew where the river Kirsten was, of course. When we got to its banks, I was astonished to see that it hadn't been a trick of the light. The water really had turned black. I used to see men fishing there, but no one was there now. We walked alongside the gloomy waters and towards the late afternoon sun. You're working at an experimental lab, not the main office? It sure looks that way. She looked out over the river with sadness in her eyes. She was missing the big picture. But remember, Stormy, I'm getting a big raise. We're going to have a place of our own, together. But somehow she still looked sad. We walked in silence for a long time, up through the downtown into a crummy area with broken down apartment buildings, and then into a leafy residential neighborhood with nice houses, and then out across some railway tracks. And then we were in a mostly industrial zone. There were houses here and there and brown brick low rises, a few diners here and there, but otherwise it was warehouses and workshops. It was getting cool out with the sun almost down, and we didn't have coats or sweaters or anything. And then, in the distance, we saw it. Actually, we heard it first. A constant, deep thumping. Some huge machine pounding away over and over again. And there was a tangle of smokestacks and pipes and metal tubes running between a bunch of big, dark buildings. This, no doubt about it, was the source of all the black, sooty air. It was being spewed out of the industrial complex that was the Department of Lactic Affairs Experimental Labs. In the gloaming, the factories looked demonic, like they'd opened up the earth to a little slice of hell. But there must have been more going on than just laboratories up there. As we got closer, we heard the lowing of cows. We could smell them, too. There were huge pens full of cows. They seemed to stretch on forever. We didn't talk much. There wasn't much to say in this blighted place. I decided it would be better if I went in alone. So we found a little diner, and Stormy sat down at the bar and ordered some coffee and pie. I left her the rest of the money and headed off to the department. 
Outside, it felt cold, and I felt like I was the only living being on Earth, exposed to the elements and about to discover my fate. And there, again, was the rabbit, bulging eye and everything, hopping along towards the entrance. And from every shadow, I thought I saw little wingless birds cocking their heads to eyeball me. I thought they were maybe all bouncing along, following me behind my back. And eventually, I got close enough to read what was written over the entrance gate. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.